Hi, I'm David. And I'm Shay. And you're listening to Board on the Air on CFCR, where we talk about board games and board game-related topics. On tonight's show, we have a special for you. As this is our 30th episode, we are going to do a top 10. And we're going to do a top 10 this week and next week. Uh, through popular poll, we decided to do game mechanics. Yes. So our top 10 game mechanics. Yeah. And this week, it's going to be me doing my top 10. And then next week, Dave is going to do his top 10. We're doing this because uh, it's going to take us a while to talk about them. And we don't want to have to squish them into 30-second bits about what we enjoy. So double the show. Yeah. We like to talk. So to make sure we do a good job of this, we're just splitting it into two shows. Uh, I'm going to act as your moderator for tonight as Shaylin wows us with her, with her board game knowledge. Yes. You know me. All the specifics over here. <laughs> but to keep going, let's start. Number 10. Yes. What is your 10th favorite board game topic? Number 10. <laughs> so my number 10 mechanic, it was a hard choice for this one. I went with variable player powers. So basically this is just a mechanic where depending on, you know, characters or cards that you get at the start of the game in the setup, your character has its own abilities that can help you win the game in a certain way sometimes. Uh, I like this mechanic because it adds kind of randomness or at least something unique to the game. Gives you, you know, something a little special. Uh, that yeah. way you're not starting the game, I guess, all doing the same thing, right? Yeah, like each person who's playing the game has their own special. This is me. Exactly. And it gives you different ways to win, too, especially because most of them, uh, with the exception of maybe Harry Potter, have you know, more than just the four characters or the six characters, they sometimes have a whole deck. And so it can change up how you play each game, right? Yeah. So do you have a favorite or a couple of favorites or examples of this? Uh, the best example I can give is one we've played quite a bit, and that's Pandemic. Uh, Pandemic is a, we've talked about on the show before, cooperative game where you're moving people around so that you can cure diseases in that game you each have a different character that can do certain things and you have to work with the other characters to solve the problem yeah and in that game using those special abilities of each person really helps you really really helps you have to use them um other examples that i have is stuff like gloomhaven uh champions of midgard architects of the west kingdom all of those games are examples of ones where you get abilities and even in the case of like architects of the west kingdom you can start with different levels of the things that you know give you points i think i started as a priest or something and that got me higher on the one track virtue uh virtue track that's it and i ended up winning the game because i got to the top of that and it just gave me a ton of points so yeah so basically you get a character in these games and that character has certain abilities exactly yeah it either can start you with different victory or with a certain amount of victory points or a certain amount of goods uh or it just tells you in like in the case of pandemic here's what you can do that will help you guys all win the game, right? And Gloomhaven, you know, that's uh, the campaign style. So you have your character that has its own little things it can do based on its style, similar to, uh, you know, uh, the video game like uh, Diablo and stuff like that. Yeah. uh, 
Gloomhaven is a special one where it is campaign driven. Yeah. So you're adding to those special abilities exactly, as you play yeah. the game. So a little different idea, but similar style, right? You got a character, it can do things, and you're using that character's abilities to win the game. Sounds good. Yeah. Number nine. Number nine. We won't get copyrighted for that. <laughs> I went with Press Your Luck. Uh, so this is a game where, or a, a style, I should say, where you are doing actions or what Board Game Geek says, repeating an action until you decide to stop uh, due to an increase or not or increased risk of losing points or your turn type thing, right? Yeah. So you're just kind of pushing yourself to get the most points, but if you go too far, you could get yourself in troubles type thing. Uh, I like this because it kind of adds a, an adventure feel to the game, I'd say. If say this is more of a, a feeling, um, Clank in Space is a good example of this one where I really went like, oh, I understand what they're talking about when they say this press your luck mechanic, right? Because in Clank or in Clank in Space, which is the one we've played, you're trying to get to one, like explore the spaceship and get to an end and get things with victory points. But if you don't get back to this, the uh, escape pod in time, then you die and you lose all your points, right? So you're trying to get the highest point one, which can be the farther away and still have time to get back through the spaceship. Things can close on you while you're in there. And I just find it that kind of an exciting style. Yeah, um, I, would, I would say the same thing. It adds a level of excitement to the yeah. game or a, a level of... Uh, nervousness exactly and you know you're kind of thinking another example i found of this was king of tokyo which is actually one of the first board games uh designer board games i ever played i played it in high school in our board game club uh this is a really good version of the push your luck because you can go into the middle uh area in this into tokyo, in, into tokyo in this game and you gain points as you stay there but you can also be attacked and i believe you're not allowed to get any health points while you're there yeah, by you, rolling the dice. You can't increase your exactly. own Exactly. So your goal is to stay in there for as long as possible. But if you stay in there too long, then you could die and again, lose the game. Yeah. Also, while you're in there, you're trying to knock the other people out of the game. Exactly. Yeah. So that that's a cool one. I wanted to bring up code names as well. Because they had this listed on Board Game Geek as a push your luck. And I actually thought that was an interesting way to describe it. Because it kind of is, if you think about it. You're trying to give clues. Um, and to other people and you want to get as many cards as you can but if you give too vague of a clue people can choose the wrong one and you can choose the traitor you can choose other people's and so it's assassin assassin yeah so you can it's kind of a push your luck in a different way yeah, but it's another I, game we love right well the push your luck aspect is that is you're giving that one word clue and instead of saying one refers to it you're saying five refers to yeah it, right it's it's how big a number you can put there exactly yeah Shall we move on to number eight? Number eight. Tile placing. Uh, this is a super popular mechanic, I'd say, in games. It's one of the, the big ones out there. It gets used a lot. It gets used a lot, and it's pretty self-explanatory. This is where you are picking up a tile or getting a tile or buying a tile and then placing it on the board, hopefully to get victory points or to you know build a different uh, city of some sort. Dif depends which pl game you're playing, yep. right? Um, really popular one, Azul, uh, simple tile placing game. You're drafting them off the board in a color, putting them on your, on your board in front of you, and then trying to fill up your square. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. No, it's, it's, it goes along with a lot of abstract strategy type games. Uh, you know, my favorite in this type of game is probably Carcassonne. 
Yeah. You know? Well, that's a classic one, right? Yep. That even on Board Game Geek in their description, they're like, and Carcassonne, where you're placing the tiles, right? Yeah. Um, definitely one we've played a lot. Uh, another one that I really enjoyed playing was Palaces of Mad King Ludwig. Yes, great uh, I've, game. I've never played castles, but I did really enjoy palaces and trying to kind of build up your rooms while not letting the moat get too far around you. That was a, a neat tile placing game that's a little bit more uh, heavy compared to something like Carcassonne. Yep. Um, and one I found on here that I just got to play, and we'll talk about it more when we get back to doing the whole what we've been playing, Santorini, where you get to place the little towers down. They considered that kind of a tile placing game. It's... I think it's kind of a category of its own because they're plastic pieces, but in a sense, that's just a stylized tile, right? Yeah, you you got a, well, a five by five grid yeah. or six by six grid, which, whichever it is. I haven't actually played this one, but you're you're, you're putting the you're trying to build your temples, basically. You're trying to get on top of the towers is yeah. the idea, but you're doing that by placing them to a certain height, and people can build on top of them and block you. So I can't wait to talk about this game, but I wanted to mention that was one I played. That is a really cool take on the tile placing for sure number seven i went with simultaneous action selection so this is a bit more of a specific one that i didn't realize was its own category of mechanic um but it's one that i actually really enjoy for the main reason that with simultaneous action selection everybody picks your action their action and then you reveal those actions sometimes they're secret sometimes they're not but either way you reveal it and then you usually do it right then and sometimes you can take turns doing the actions you've all picked, but either way, you reveal them all at once, and that affects how the game plays. I like this because it speeds the game up, usually. Usually, yeah. Usually, when there's simultaneous action, there's not as much of that, like, one person thinking and everybody else is just waiting for it to happen, right? Everybody's doing their thing at the same time. It eliminates a bit of that AP. Yeah. Uh, I, I like... This is another good one where, as you say, you know, people are doing... you're everybody's active at the same time. There's yeah. no downtime for the most part. Exactly. You know, there's some exceptions like uh, Viral, which is one we played. We didn't, you know, enjoy the game that much, um, but the mechanic where it had is you picked both of your actions you were going to do, reveal them, and then everybody takes their turn all the way around, right? Yeah. So it's like everybody picks their turns at once and you can't change them as you go. Uh, and then individual turns happen so it's kind of a little bit of a different style but which we did discover we were playing wrong we oh yeah right we did play it a little wrong but yeah. at least for the first action and yeah. at the time you do pick them at the same time yeah. a couple of good yeah. ones for me in this one are dice hospital yeah seven, absolutely seven wonders i love this for dice hospital where you can do all the movement i did put seven wonders on my list it's a classic uh everybody picks game we love that one i put flam rouge on there because yep. it's one we've played so often uh, again, it's really nice because everybody places it down and then you still go in turn order and you're like, okay, where am I going to end up? Because where I picked was good. Um, yeah, so it's kind of neat. What I like about simultaneous action is it's it's not that the entire game is played on your own where yeah. you're playing solitaire. It, it's sections of that round that exactly. are done at the same time. And and then you, you're you revealing them or doing them at you know, in order yeah. from that point. I just, I like how it speeds the game up a little bit. I like how it take some of the pressure off of like, okay, what is everybody else doing? Because you got to focus on what you're doing. Yeah. It um, takes, you know, it gives uh, a more of a challenge yeah, to the game. Exactly. I so I, re I really enjoy that one when I found out that was a, a mechanic. Yes. It's, it's a, a very good one. Number six. 
I went with role-playing. So as I've mentioned on this show before, I love theme-style games, and role-playing really fits into that, where you're playing as a character. Um, you know, it's similar to another theme, which I am going to actually mention on later, uh, storytelling. That, you know, it's it's just, you kind of get that story with it, right? You get into that character, you kind of... Uh, you know, feel that character goes along with that. Uh, what was the first one I said? Why have I forgotten my list already? <laughs> oh, where where did I put it? Uh, variable power players. You know, where you get that you get that person that makes you feel kind of special. Example: Betrayal in the House on the Hill. I love this game. You have your character that you, it's not necessarily an official character, but they do have different skills, and you just kind of get to play as this person uh, exploring. And then if you get to be, you know, the the traitor you know, where you're like, you're a werewolf now or something like that. It kind of adds, adds that feel to it. Uh, Gloomhaven's on here again, because obviously it's that dungeon style crawler where you are playing as, you know, the brute or the wizard. Mm -hmm. uh, and I had to throw Dungeons and Dragons on there as well, because that's the classic, what everybody thinks of as a role-playing game, right? Yeah, I think, you know, this is something that you like because you like theme in your games. I love theme in my games, so it definitely fits there. Yeah, and and you know, acting out a character or be, turning yeah. yourself into a character adds to the theme of the game. I, I would say for you, even like role player, right? That's the game where it has it in the name. You you aren't even necessarily the character you've picked, but that idea of having a character that's like it has a name and it has a attribute and a story to it. I love that. I yeah, live for that. That's sort of a funny one because it's called role player, but it's really not a role playing it, game. Really not. But, you know, you still get that character. And you get to have fun saying like, this is what my character is. Uh, so <laughs> it's a good time. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I, I'm not a big theme person. Yeah. So this type of mechanic doesn't need to be in a game, but yeah. it's, it's never a bad thing to be in a game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Number five yes halfway there uh dice rolling and drafting games i did kind of merge this one it does say just dice rolling but i find you get a lot of drafting games with the ones they say are dice rollers so i kind of squished it all together um but the basic basic idea of this is you are rolling dice in some way to either get victory points or to you know fill your board up uh, you can use it in combat as well if you're doing that style of game for the most part the ones i play are ones like uh well, stuff like uh, Sagrada, right? Where you're rolling the dice and then you're drafting those onto your board style thing. Um, yeah, like for me, dice drafting and dice rolling are two very different yeah. mechanics, in, in my opinion. Yeah, in my, that's in fair. My, that's how I see it. Where, you know, dice rolling is that I'm doing battle combat roll. Yeah. Uh, where dice drafting... You know, I, I put that more with the, the dice manipulation aspect of mm -hmm. it, where you have eight dice out there, you're picking one of those dice, and sometimes you have a power to do something with it, like, i.e. role player. Role player. I was going to say yeah. that's one that's really cool with the dice rolling, right? Because you are drafting the dice and rolling the dice onto your board, but with the expansion, you are also rolling the dice to, you know, attack people, yep. which is kind of cool. So it gives you both aspects of that. Yeah, role player is one where the dice is definitely very prevalent and it does use it in a multiple different ways. Yes. I think I like the dice rolling in general just because uh, the randomness of it, right? I know you don't like the randomness, but I like any game that has some random to it so that 
it changes for me. And obviously you can get stuck with it where it doesn't roll perfectly for you, but I usually find I enjoy games with dice rolling more often than I don't. Yeah. I There's certain games that I, I find fun with the mechanic of dice rolling. Yeah. Uh, I don't like where the total randomness can take over the game. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's where I have the issue with that mechanic. Mm-hmm. Well, let's move on to number four. Yeah. <laughs> Big shocker. We move from dice drafting to card drafting. <laughs> we're, we're getting into some that sound a little familiar. Uh, card drafting is, you know, a gate or a style of game where you are picking cards up from a common pool that's usually in front of you so that you can kind of build your, your, uh, your hand up or use them immediately so you can get victory points or different powers uh, to meet objectives in games that you're playing. So um, not to interrupt you, but yeah. do you, are you considering card drafting and deck building the same thing? I find them a little bit different because with what I find with card drafting is it doesn't necessarily have to go into your hand. Okay. Or it might not go into your hand. It might go something like um, uh, uh, worker placement game um, with the tree. Everdell. Something like Everdell where you're drafting that card into your town in front of your hand, okay. right? Okay. So it, it's not necessarily into a deck. You're using it and it can be an immediate action or it could be something that's lasting in front of you. And okay. I think that's where the distinction lies in the two styles. Okay. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. No, I just, when I think of card drafting... Yeah. I think of Seven Wonders where everybody has seven cards and you're going around taking one and passing the, yeah. the pile to the next person. And that would be a good uh, a good example of it. I also put Wingspan on here. Yep. Um, because those, like, they're kind of going into your hand, but you're also playing them. The main idea is to play them on your board, right? It's not necessarily to attack people or anything like that. Uh, they are, the point is to get them in front of you yeah, to do actions. Yeah, you're doing actions. that tableau building. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, Similar idea, something like, uh, you know, like Ticket to Ride would be considered a card drafting game because you're able to, because you're picking up the cards yep. in front of you, you're drafting those cards to then use them to fulfill objectives, right? Okay. Um, they're not an action style one, but it's a simple version of using a card drafting mechanic in the game. And we, I love Ticket to Ride. I think it's a fantastic game. Yeah. No, it's a solid, solid, solid game. Uh, yeah. One that we played recently was Near and Far. Uh, you're drafting cards right off the start where what you know, you're starting five cards or six cards that you start with are to, to alleviate some of the randomness. Yeah. You have five of them. You take one, you pass the other four around and you go till you get your five cards. And then that way there, that drafting aspect of it takes away a little of the randomness. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. Number Three. We're number three already? Wow. Okay, we're going through these quick. Uh, deck and pool building. So now we're getting into the next one. And I did, when when I was coming up with these, I did have to ask the question like, okay, what's the real difference between the two? Um, and I find with the games they consider more like deck and pool building, there's definitely some card drafting aspect to it because you're picking those cards up. But the idea is, is you're building with your deck. You're building your deck up so you can usually use it in some form of action taking. Stuff like uh, Clank and Space. Again, you're drafting those cards so you can take more movement or more fight. Uh, things like uh, Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle. I mean, 
we got into the episode guys yeah. um we love this game you pick them off you buy them off of the board right they go into your hand they don't leave your hand you play them as actions so that you can get rid of the things off the board in some way or so you can put attack tokens on the characters that's the idea with the card drafting um and then like with the pool building stuff like orleans where you're getting the the little character so you can take again actions to move yourself on the board or get victory points i like this style of game because i love that building of your engine style type thing you know where you're you're getting more so you can do more powerful actions so you can you know get more done i love that feeling when you get to the end of game and you're just like 20 actions all at once because it it works so well right yeah i think a lot of these ones you're, you're starting with a base yeah level playing field exactly almost. yeah and where you go from there is different for every person playing that game. Yeah. Uh, it ties into your random player powers a Absolutely. little bit. But it, they're not really random player powers. They're just building a stronger deck or a stronger pool of yeah. actions. Something so you can get more actions done and then eventually claim victory objectives. Yeah. Yeah. Really good mechanic. That was number three. That was number three. So number... Two. All right. I said I was going to mention it later on. Storytelling. So this is kind of an expanded version of that role-playing aspect. They don't necessarily have to have role-playing in a story storytelling game, but there's a story. There's two styles. You either are given a story that, you know, is merged into your gameplay or the most part, like, or sorry, you're either building your story as you go or that you're given a story that is you are playing through. Um, probably most of the ones I play are the ones where they're giving me a story and then I'm playing through them as I go. Uh, again, things like Betrayal on the House on the Hill. I, I love this aspect because it's theme. It's We're back to the theme argument. I love the idea of having a, almost playing like through a video game in board game form or a movie in board game form. It just makes it all that more fun for me because I can like get in the head of the characters. A uh, really good example of one, Chronicles of Crime, where we got to play this, where you're you're doing the detective work with your phone. I I just loved like trying to figure out what's going on while you play through that story, right? Yeah, and I think this is this is really a main aspect to theme is mm -hmm. where you're playing a game. And you are the character or you yep. are writing the story that this game is going to happen yep. or you're living the, the yep. story that it's giving you. Uh, example of one you really like, Above and Below. Yep. Uh, that game, you get story as you play through, right? It's, uh, I mean, Near and Below, Near and Far, sorry, is uh, more of the choose your own adventure where Above and Below, you do get some options, but it's kind of like wherever you choose to go, you find out the story after you go there. Yeah, I would... Um, Personal opinion, I think Above and Below is that choose-your-own-adventure where Near and Far does have the campaign aspect Oh, okay, to so it's it. a little different. So you're playing yeah. through 10 maps, yeah, and, and you can do the full story throughout, and, and, and you're reading parts of the story before you start each map, yeah, and looking at goals that you have to accomplish. Uh, so yeah, they're, you know, it's, it, it's going with that theme. Uh, I love the mechanics in those games. Yeah. I notice... There's people tell me there's themes. <laughs> See, and I, I love it when I get that storytelling aspect. Even games where they're like giving me facts and stuff, that's still that storytelling feel to me. Yeah. No, and that's that's exactly it. It's, you know, for this can be in a game. doesn't need to be for me. Mm -hmm. But for you, I think it's... It, it's, it really improves my gaming yeah. experience when I can get that story in there. Yeah. And, you know, some of those uh, storybook games like... Uh, 
Kuminots mm-hmm. and uh, the stuffed fairy ta- fables. Oh yeah, I those, can't wait to try that one. Yeah, those are ones that I think uh, really fit under this category and would yeah. really uh, you're attracted to. We just haven't got to play them. Exactly. Yeah, we don't have enough time. We'll get there. We have games we need to play. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Here's the big one. You're listening to Board on the Air on CFCR. We're doing our 30th show and we're doing a top 10 of game mechanics. Yes. Uh, this week is going to be Shaylin, And then for our 31st episode, it's going to be me. We've gone through her top nine. And some of the highlights are role-playing, dice, min- dice drafting, card drafting, deck building, uh... Just in general storytelling themes, yeah. stuff a- like that. Any mechanic that adds to theme. Really. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and we're down to her number one. So Shaylin, what is your number one game mechanic mm-hmm. that attracts you or that you love to have in games? So I put this one at my number one, not necessarily because it's like the only one I play now, but because it is what really got me into gaming. And that is cooperative games. That is my number one mechanic that I chose, and it's it's self-explanatory. Cooperative, you are working with other people, right? Like, you have to work with each other so you can get to the goal. And the thing I love about this and the reason that it got me into gaming is it took away that take that aspect. Because I when I especially when I started, I didn't like it. I, I wanted to just have fun playing a game, and then people would like, just screw me over. And it would stop being fun, right? So with the cooperative aspect of stuff like Pandemic, um, which again was one of the first games that I started playing, I just suddenly had fun playing the games with the new mechanics that they were throwing at me because I didn't have to worry about my teammate taking me out. Yeah, there's for a lot of gamers that they use this as a release of stress and stuff like yeah. that, the competitive aspect of board games can't... can't can detract from their enjoyment exactly and cooperative games is a way to alleviate a lot of that Mm -hmm. until you get the alpha gamer yes exactly alpha gamers are in a whole other problem but that's not what we're talking about we're talking (laughs) about the mechanic and i also don't include games necessarily in this where you can get a traitor aspect to it because it i i think cooperative is cooperative you want it to be cooperative there can be cooperative aspects and things like again betrayal in the house on the hill but you eventually have a traitor in that and then it stops being cooperative then Uh, it's all verse one then it's all verse um so things like harry potter hogwarts battle love that game uh fully cooperative game still battling but like at least you can work with each other uh mysterium another game that we absolutely love that it can drive you a little bonkers but it is a cooperative game one person trying to help the other people out so it's just, I like the way these games make you feel. You're not usually too stressed out. You can have a good time with them. And, you know, it's just, it, again, it's what got me into gaming. So I really hold it on that place of, like, excellent. Yeah, no, and cooperative is, it is, to me, it made no sense when I first heard of. Yeah, <laughs> a board a, game. A board game that was cooperative. I was like, but then who wins? Yeah, it's like all of you win. But that doesn't make sense. Yeah, but all of you win, so then it's great. But you're playing a game. Yeah. And you're but, keeping score. Yeah. But then all of you win. It's awesome. I love it. I still love it. <laughs> yeah. So I I've, I play cooperative games. I enjoy some of them. Uh, not all the time because there is, to me, stuff that takes away from a cooperative game. Mm-hmm. 
and you have to play with the right people. Yes, you need a good group to for enjoy cooperative games. Yeah. And I'd say, especially for starting games, it's a great way to get into it. Definitely with, you know, after you play it for a while, you can get that alpha gamer aspect, but they still hold a special place in my heart. Yeah, I would <laughs> I would agree with you. And, and I think uh, you hit it, hit the one of the big things on the nose there is that when you first start playing a cooperative game, everybody's learning that game together. Yeah. So you're all building that story, building that uh, goal together as you learn the game. So you don't rely on somebody who knows the game more than everybody else to either teach it yeah. or to crush everybody while they're playing it. Right? Exactly. Uh, but I do find the more you, or the longer you play a cooperative game, the less fun it becomes. Yeah, I could probably agree with that. Because if you play, I, I'm just going to throw Pandemic out there. Yeah, exactly. Because that's one we've played the most. You get to the point where you have four people that all have a strategy and all are good strategies, but they may not all line up. Yes. Right? So you get more conflict in a cooperative game than if you were playing head to head. Absolutely true. Okay. And that is the first half of our 30th episode-ish. Yeah. Uh, top 10 game mechanics from Shaylin. I'm David. And I'm Shay. Thank you for listening. Have a good night.